you can't just live in the I can't because we live in America and there's so much I can. There's so much I can that can happen. And we were just conditioned to live in the I can't. And now. <laughs> I'm the captain now. <laughs> Coming to you from the K2 studios in San Diego, California. This sounds great. You sound amazing. I always sound amazing. It's the world famous. Everybody sitting off like BFS. Chris and Christine Show. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Thank you so much for listening, and I am Chris. And I'm Christine, and welcome to episode 143 of the Chris and Christine Show. Oh, fantastic. Well, how are you doing today, baby doll? Well, I'm doing fantastic because I am looking across the room at some fancy new piece of equipment with all kinds of colors and dancing lines and bells and whistles. That's just my Halloween costume I'm wearing, babe. Uh, well, not exactly. I mean... (laughs) You do know how to push buttons pretty well, but <laughs> I'm talking about your new piece of equipment. Why don't you tell everybody what's happening? What new exciting thing happened this week for the K2 show? Well, do you want to take it back to the original, like back a week ago? Or No, wanna... I want you to say first what, what is here right now. Okay. What is in the room right now? Well, you're hearing us on, we are coming to you on the brand new Roadcaster Pro 2. Not one. But two. But part two of the rocket. We're trying to figure this thing out. We are. This is our first podcast go around with this new equipment. So we'll see how this goes. Now it's kind of fancy looking. Like I, I don't know. When I used to do sound for my church, when I like way back in the day, it looks like a soundboard. It has like all of the dials, like the individual like channels for the microphone and the headphones, and it's like all colorful. And I'm color pink, which I love, but. You're like, tell me about this little device a little bit. Well, first off, it's not little. It's not little in price either. It's that's one thing for sure. But what it is is it's actually an all-in-one like recording console, studio mixer, like anything to do with audio and audio production, audio direction. It can do. It can handle. Okay, um, so it's what exactly? I just said it's a mixing console. Oh, you said it's a mixing console with all kinds of audio. Da, 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 da. I was just looking for the elevator pitch. like So it's like a soundboard, right? Yeah, it's a audio interface. It's a recording console. It's a mixer. It's a... Um, sound effects holder? Yeah, you can do sound effects on here too. Um, you know, it's it basically an all-in-one. Like if you're doing a podcast or even if you're doing like say a like a video YouTube style thing with you need like different video effects and sound effects and things happening live in real time, like a, like a live broadcast or like a radio show. You could totally run a radio show with this device. That's amazing. And it sounds super fancy and super expensive. So how kind sir could you afford such an important device to add to the podcasting community? Well, you know, all those big sponsors we were getting, you know, dropping thousands of dollars. They just gave it to us for free. Uh-huh. Yeah, right. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. What's the real story? Give us the backstory. Okay. So a week ago, if you remember from going back to last episode, I was talking about possibly selling the Z sports car. And I put it up for sale. The Z or your baby Z? My Z. So Z it's, baby. Yes, Z baby. It is the <laughs> Z. So it is very fancy and it's the Z. So I decided to put it up for sale. And I was like, you know what? Um, I hate to say, I hate to do this, but uh, I could use the cash. We could pay off all the 
major credit card debt I got into fixing the Z in the first place. Major credit card debt. It wasn't that major in comparison to most American households. It was a, it was a bit. It was more than I feel comfortable with. I right. that much. But you didn't just do this to get out of credit card debt. You came to me and you said that you wanted to zel- sell the Z before you were talking about credit card debt for what reason? Um. Oh, because you couldn't drive it? No, you were saying that you were like, you felt like you were out of your midlife crisis. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting too older. I'm too old for this, as, <laughs> as they say, you know? And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Maybe, I mean, do I really need two cars? Do I really need a sports car on the side that constantly keeps breaking down? I got to constantly spin it up, take it over to the shop and drop another thousand dollars on repairs every month, it seems like. And I'm like, you know what? This car's getting older and it's getting to the point where things start falling apart and start wearing out. And I'm like, mm-hmm. do I really want to be wrenching on a car every weekend or spending time? Wrenching on a car? What does R- that mean? Wrenching means like fixing the car, you know? It's like oh, a, well, you're it's using a guy. all these phrases. Do I really want to be wrenching on a car? <laughs> do do do. Right, exactly. <laughs> like I can't turn a screwdriver half the time, you know? Exactly. You, you Let alone use a wrench, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go right. on. Go on, captive so audience I here. I put it on, on a few places for sale. And I got one guy writing me back saying, is the car still for sale? Sure, he came over. And the same guy that came over in the last episode I mentioned about, he came over and he test drove the car. He liked the car. And he's like, you know what? Um, I would like to get a full-blown car inspection done on the vehicle before I buy it, like a pre-purchase inspection. I'm like, that's fine. You go right ahead. That's fine. Let's do that. Where do you want to do it? You tell me where and I'll meet you there. So he said, how about the closest Nissan dealer? Because it is a Nissan Z, why not take it to the Nissan dealer? Mm-hmm. So I met him there on uh, Thursday, I think it was. Thir- no, Wednesday. Okay. I met him there on Wednesday over there. And his dad met me over there. And they were nice folks. They came over, checked out the car. They paid for the full inspection, which is not cheap, by the way. I had no idea that a pre-purchased car inspection costs so much money. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like almost $300. But anyways. Wow. So they did that. Wow. They took me to lunch, went to lunch, and we did came. Did they buy? Yeah, they bought what? me. Yeah, check that out. Big spenders. I know. And then we came well, back. Well, because you're a cheapskate, you wouldn't have bought for them anyways. You know what's funny? It's like it's like the part where they're like up at the counter, and they're like ordering the food, and they're like, uh, do you want anything? Uh, well, you guys said you're buying. Yeah. Um, I'll throw, I'll did th- you really? <laughs> it was kind of like that, but you know. That's exactly how it always is with you. It's always like, uh, so like you'll wait when the ch- the check comes to the table. You're that guy that's like, oh shoot, I forgot my wallet at home. <laughs> yeah, let me get my. Wa- oh, wait, whack! I don't, you got this. For t- I'll get you back next time. Yeah. Next time, next round's on me. You got this. <laughs> All right. So you went to lunch, but he said he was going to pay for it because he was so nice of me meeting him over there and taking care of the car stuff and being very cooperative with the car. Yeah, because a lot of people who sell cars are like, no, it's as is, buy it, take it or leave it kind of right. thing. But I've been very friendly with the buyer right, and, and all that stuff. So we went there, got back to the dealership. The dealer. What did they say? Was there, because I know you were nervous before you went. Was there like things that needed to be fixed? Actually, no. The uh, report came back very well. It was like an excellent condition. Like all the stuff they checked in on the car, they said everything was great. Everything That's looked, amazing. I, I was, thank God, because I was like worried that. But you have put like literally $5,000 into the car over the last, Eight months. That, yes, that is true. But I was also like kind of worried because, like, what if there's something I missed? It, it, things kept, you know, happening. Like the check engine light came on and the clutch went out. All this stuff. What if today is the day this other thing happens? And now I'm like, they're like, well, I don't buy the car now, right? Or, or whatever. Or we're gonna shave off five grand off the price because right. you know this is gonna happen. 
But luckily, everything worked out just fine, and it was uh, great. So then the very next day um, is when we made the actual deal happen, and they came over to pick the car up and gave me a big fat check, and uh, yep. it was a good, de- good day. Yep, and so you took that check, and you automatically went and paid some lingering debts that you had, and then you had all this other money burning a hole in your pocket. And when I say people burning a hole in his pocket, like literally he was like, well, what, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? And what did I say to you? You said you need to put it in savings. Yep. And you were like, well, I don't want to put that much in savings. I was like, you need to trust me. If you don't, it's all going to go away and you're not going to get a big lump sum of money like this ever again in the future for selling a car because you have nothing left to sell. Well, you know, rather my blood, my blood and my spirit, you know, but so I took the money. Your blood and your spirit. <laughs> You're just coming up with all kinds of things. So Wrenching I, on the weekends. That's right. Selling my blood and my spirit. So now the, the we go from three cars down to two cars. I just have my truck. Christine has her car. And that's it. It was no, kind of a sad we day. we went down. You went down from two cars to one car. I went down from one car to one car. Right. You have one car. I have one car. You don't share with me. So I wanted to do something big for myself, a splurge as you were a little bit, you know, something nice, something I've always wanted for the podcast. And one thing I've always, always wanted, like for how long? Since I've heard about this mm-hmm. cool little toy was the Roadcaster Pro. And everyone kept raving. You got to get one. You got to get one. I should do the things are like $600. Oh, you got to get one. You got to get one. And I'm like, ah, maybe I'll wait. I said, what if there's a next one coming out? Why would I, if I bought the old one, how dumb would I feel if I bought the, the Generation 1 and then Generation 2 just comes out like next week? And it did. And it did. <laughs> so then I'm like, But well, you're so funny because over the last several months, you've been like, oh, the Roadcaster Pro is going down in price. Maybe I should buy one of the old ones. I'm like, goober, why would you do that? Just save up your money for a few more months and buy like the fancy new, newest model Instead of like investing in one that's already been used, might have issues. I'm not a user. I'm, I'm saying like they're marking down the generation one oh. down down in price. Like it's shaving like a couple hundred bucks off of okay. it. Okay. Uh, this one is still full price when I bought this one. And um, it got delivered right away, which is surprising. Quick yeah. At like four o'clock in the morning, I see you first thing in the morning <laughs> on the cameras. You put the dog downstairs and then I see you like a kid on Christmas morning, like scampering out to the porch and grabbing your box. And then I came, by the time I came downstairs, you had it all unpackaged on the dining room table of all places because we had company over the weekend. And then you proceeded to spend the rest of the weekend sitting at the dining room table with your headphones on and a portable handheld mic testing it out. And the most inopportune time yesterday, I was so tired and I just wanted to take a nap on the couch. As soon, every time I would fall asleep, there would be a video playing, a loud video, or you'd be going, testing, one, two, three, <laughs> one, two, three, testing, testing, one, two, three. And then you would be doing like the voice change things because you could do the voice change things on the Roadcaster Pro 2. Is that what, how we call it? Yeah. Roadcaster Pro 2. Or you just call it the Roadcaster for, for short. Or I could call it the RST 2. Sure, why not? Okay. Yeah. Well, it was like, it's a new obsession for you. You Okay. Our stages of, of obsession in this relationship were, first, when we got together, you were obsessed over the car because you had literally just bought it like three weeks before we got together. That's true, and yeah. And then it was like the car, the car, the car, always the car, washing the car, bathing the car, cleaning the car, shining the car, dusting the car. And then we started, you know, after a while, we started the podcast and there was podcast, 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 podcast. And then it's like every little, little device that you add on. And then it was your MacBook and you were like always on your MacBook. And then 
now it's the Roadcaster Pro 2 and you're like obsessed, obsessed. Like you I'm don't just hear trying to else. figure it out. Cause uh, I just admit, got you're it. obsessed. Okay. Maybe a little, I'm trying mm-hmm. to, and the a videos I've been watching are, are videos on how to use the toy, you know, like, like I'm trying to figure this thing out on the fly here. And this is our, today is our first run of the Roadcaster Pro running this thing on the computer and making it happen. So, um, but hey, do you want to tell everybody what happened this weekend with uh, with me and your family coming over before you before they came over here on was it Saturday? Your fa- your sister was coming down. Uh, and, I don't remember. Okay, I'll fill you in. So what happened was Christine was doing a wedding on Saturday, so she was gone. She wasn't here at the house, so she told me. Make sure you get the, the guest room ready for Ooh. your sister. No, no, no. And, that's not how the conversation well, went. Well, you, you don't remember what happened. I'm I telling you what happened. I remember now. I remember now. So what happened was I did not get to make the bed for my family. And I was very nervous because I know that you always get bent out of shape because I didn't get to leave the sheets out into the right place. And so I was talking with you while I was driving up to my second wedding of the day on Saturday. And I was like, hey, can you help me out with getting the bed ready for my sister and her husband? I, did, I have no problem doing that. I am. I did tell her that she might have to help you put things together. But just in case, like, if you have time, do you mind just making sure that there's sheets that are ready to go? And your first response was, sheets? I don't know where the sheets are. I, I don't, don't know where I to know, look. And nobody, by the way, for record, nobody knows where the sheets are. You said they might be in the hamper in the laundry room. No, I first and said. And I said, okay. No, nope, that's are not some what sheets, I said. There are some sheets in there. Are these the ones? That's not what I said. What I first said was they're in the cabinet on the top of the stairs, the bottom set of cabinets. There's all kinds of sheets there. But- there may be an additional set in the hamper in the laundry room, but I'm not sure. And well, what did you say? I said there's a set of sheets in the laundry hamper. I don't know. I've never seen these before. They're kind of space age looking. They look kind of weird. They're blue. And I've never seen these before. I don't know where they came from. Maybe. I don't know. So I'm going to wash these. And I was these. like, space age? What is he talking about? And I said, space age what do you mean and you were like i don't know they're blue and they're space age i was like well i have sheets with little rocket ships on it for the kids for their shoe their beds and you were like no these look like space age and so i was like um okay and i guess you can wash those and so you went through the whole cycle you washed them and then what did you do well, I washed them and I decided to put them on the bed in the guest room here in the studio. So I and thought, then you sent me a picture. I, and I'm, I'm making the bed, and as I'm making the bed with these space age looking weird sheets, I realized that one of them, there's two sets of them, and I'm like, okay, great. But why is one of them not fitted? And I'm like, well, maybe, <laughs> well, maybe this is how the sheets are. Maybe they're like not fitted sheets for some weird reason. I don't know why you'd have sheets that go on the mattress that wouldn't be fitted, but. But maybe it's the way they are. I don't know. So I'm tucking them in under everything, making the bed nice and pretty. I took the second pair of sheets, put them on top, took the blanket or the, the com- comforter. comforter, laid it on top, get the pillows all all set up just and right. And it looked gorgeous. I folded the, the top half of the sheet, the blanket thing, over on the top so the pillows look great. I, I tucked everything under the mattress. It looked like a Hallmark Channel bedspread ready to go. Uh, I would not go that far. It did look nice, and you did a very nice job. But in the meantime, you're sending me all of these different photos when I'm working uh, a crazy wedding with a crazy, crazy venue director that I never, ever, ever in my life want to work with again. And I'm like, 
going crazy running around. And then I have 11 text messages. So I open up my phone and I scroll through quickly and I see the very last picture, which is that the bed is made. And I'm like, oh, wow, he did it. Awesome. And then I scrolled back through and the very next picture is um, you saying no fitted sheet in this sheet package. And what I ended up seeing is this navy blue patterned fabric over the top of the the bed. And I only then realized what the blue space age sheets were. They just happened to be a pin tuck classy satin tablecloth that I used for an engagement party the weekend before for my clients. It was a double set of navy blue satin pin tuck tablecloths that you had decided to use as the sheets. Oh, well, I don't know. They look like bed sheets to me. They weren't bed sheets. <laughs> they were in the laundry hamper. So why would the why would they be in the laundry hamper if they're not bed sheets? Because they were used and they needed to be washed. That's like a really faulty rationale. So I first thing I was like, OMG, those are tablecloths. And then you blow up my phone. WTF, the bed's already made, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, oh my gosh, I was already having a horrible day. And I just called and I said, first of all, thank you so much for making my family a priority. I really, and like very sincerely, very sincerely, really appreciated it. Um, what can we do to fix this situation? And you started going crazy. Like, well, I don't know where the sheets are and da, 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 da. Can't we just leave them on there? Can't they just sleep on the tablecloths? <laughs> I was like, no, there it's like, Satin, like you're gonna slip it, off. It, it, of looked, them. it looked like silk sheets. It would look like, you no, know, they were like not even like modern silk sheets. They looked like 1980s, like well, you should right. have like thought, shag carpet on the wall, kind of. <laughs> I never saw them before. I was like, these are weird. I never saw these. So, so what I did to the rescue again, what, again. I, what I did is I ran. No, he did not. To the, the Chris to the rescue, he did not do what I had asked, which is to walk to the top of the stairs and open the cupboard and look for the right size of sheets. No. No, no, no. That is not what he did. Instead, Because Chris I knew I'd have the, to wash them. I'd have time to wash them. They were set. all clean up there. How would I know that? I mean, you know, you got, the, you got space the sheets and the Henry hamper looks like a quilt or something. Anyway, so I ran over to Walmart. See what I deal with over and I here. And I had to pick up a brand new set of uh, bed sheets for the bed in here. And I took care of it. Chris to the rescue. You're welcome. You're all welcome. Yeah, so he went and he got these sheets. He brought them back, remade the bed, and uh, got my sister and her family got here while I was still gone at the wedding. And he, they had a really good laugh about this whole situation. But uh, thank you so much for getting the sheets handled. I, on the other hand, while you were home doing all of that stuff and definitely holding down the home front, I was at. I had double weddings on Saturday, so I had a floral set up in the morning at Scripps Seaside Forum, and then in the afternoon and evening and nighttime, I was coordinating and doing flowers for a wedding up at a winery in Temecula. Wow, look at you, busy girl. I know, and you know, it was like I should have known by the way that the morning started with the first wedding that it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Like, really, I should have known that. Let me just say this, though. I I didn't get to see my bride and groom at the first venue because I was setting up before they got there. But my second venue, like, they were so happy with everything. I've even been getting text messages from them the last couple of days. Like, you're the real MVP. You rescued our day. Uh, But bottom line is that there was an individual that worked for the venue 
who was really horrific to work with. And I would go to the point of saying like was sabotaging the success of me and my team and miscommunicating. And it just made it for a really horrible experience. I mean, like all the way down to she wouldn't even provide a sufficient number of vendor meals for all of the vendors. That's horrible. I know. Who does that? I know. And I asked her, I was like, hey, I did supply the headcount. You didn't request it. So I sent it. And now we're short four meals for our vendors. And she was like, well, give me five minutes and I'll see if there's a sufficient amount of food. And did she come back with anything? She never came back with anything. And I could tell tell by her tone. So I ended up just like hopping in my car and driving down to Carl's Jr. and getting food for all of the vendors. And it just was like, it was so miserable. And so coming home, knowing that my family was taken care of and having that good laugh for myself about how you made the bed was really the best end to my day. Oh, you're welcome. You Thank know. you. I comic try. relief over here. I am the comic relief. You are. <laughs> in more ways than just one. Yeah. But that's, I mean, that's been pretty much it. We're just in the throes of wedding season. Everything is crazy busy right now. Nothing else really new for me other than just keeping my head low, doing all my work, and just, you know, stay on the top of it. You know, speaking of work. This week's VIP guest decided to step off that corporate ladder, and she's going to tell us all about her story coming up right after this. Are you in the middle of wedding planning and feeling overwhelmed? There's no need to fret, my friend. Christine Smith Designs is here to rescue you. Offering wedding planning, coordination, and wedding floral design services, let us help relieve your stress and make your wedding day dreams a reality. Visit us at christinesmithdesigns.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N-E smithdesigns.com and request a free consultation. You'll be so glad you did. And welcome back, everybody. Today, we have another fantastic VIP guest. We are super excited to have her on the show today. She's a certified dream manager coach business consultant and author. Welcome to the show, Debbie Cruz. Well, thank you so much, Chris and Christine. I love it. The intro makes me smile. I'm very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, You're so welcome. The whole crowd comes in here just for you, especially for our special VIP guests like (laughs) yourself, Debbie. Oh, I love it. I feel special. Thank you. Well, where have you flown in to join us from today in sunny San Diego? (laughs) I am from outside of New York City in a suburb called Mamaroneck, part of Westchester County. Oh, wow. So is that like really close to the big city? Can you like see the skyline or is it a little bit of a trek away? No, you could see the skyline. We actually have a park that faces the whole skyline of the city into Long Island, which is pretty beautiful. Uh, no, we can. I could be in the Bronx in 10 minutes and then I could be in Manhattan in another 20 Look wow. at that. That's amazing. Yeah. Now, now, is that something that you do often? Because we, we live in the suburbs of San Diego and it's like going into town isn't a big deal. Like we'll just drive in there and, you know, go to dinner or whatever. Is it more of an ordeal for a city like New York City or is it just like, oh, we want to go have some really great pizza. Let's just hop on over. I think through time, it's completely changed. Um, I think back in the 80s, it was the biggest deal to go into the city and you went into the city for dinner every weekend. And that's where all the hot restaurants were. And so many people realized that it did become a bit much, especially if you're working in Manhattan all week. And a lot of great restaurants were opened in Westchester. A lot of chefs brought their businesses here. And so sometimes people are like, I don't need to go into the city because the restaurants here are just as good, if not better. 
Um, and then since COVID, uh, the city has definitely changed. The train schedules have changed, so they're not on a regular schedule. They're always on. They've been on a holiday weekend schedule. I don't think that's changed just yet. So it does become a lot more difficult. A lot of people don't want to take the train. So most people drive. And then there's the issue of huge just traffic jams and where to park. So I don't see a big influx of going into the city. I actually had a meeting set for tomorrow morning in the city. And he's like, you don't want to come here. I'll come to you. We'll <laughs> set another date. I'll come. He doesn't live all that far, but, you know, he works in the city and he's like, no, no, no. I get how how it's a pain to come into the city now. So I, the last time I was in the city and I used to work in Manhattan every day was last year, last September. I haven't been there since. Oh, wow. Now, did you grow up around that New York City, Manhattan area or did you, are you a transplant to the area? No, I grew up here. Um, I live in the same town where I grew up. So I basically know everybody, <laughs> wow. which is fabulous. Yeah. Yeah. That's I great. Know. Yeah, it is. It's really cool. I, I enjoy it. I'm very happy. There's not a lot of here. people that you find like that that are native to that area and have stayed there their entire life. You tend to find like in San Diego, a lot of, we call them transplants, but... Oh, Christine's one yeah, of them, by the I way. I am, but Chris, my wonderful husband, is an OG San Diegan. And so he's like you where, you know, he's grown up around the area. And I think it gives you a different perspective and appreciation but also, like with Chris, he sometimes forgets how different life is in other places that you don't have all the, you know, wonderful amenities that are so readily available when you're so close to a big, popular city. Yeah, I used to travel from my jobs uh, to different cities every week. And yeah, you really, New York is a very unique place. I know that San Diego is as well, especially being on different sides of the coast, you you do get used to your own city <laughs> and just what it has to offer. And then you go somewhere, middle America, that's not as big of a city. And you're like, what do you mean? Everything's closed at 8 p.m. Right. Or <laughs> there's a dry, like a things. dry state or dry city where it's like they don't serve alcohol on Sundays. <laughs> yeah. You learn those things the hard way when you're in Pennsylvania at 5 p.m. And you're like, what do you mean? We can't get a bottle of wine. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we're like excited again to have you on the show, Debbie. And we know that you have a really unique story of, you know, navigating corporate America and now pursuing your passion. Um, so what is your professional background before leading you to being out on your own? Excuse me. I went to college with a business background and I started my career as an account executive in a printing company. Um, I worked my way up not in the printing company, but through a whole bunch of different industries. And I ended up as a C-level uh, executive. Um, and I realized I was told that was always the dream. And I'm like, yeah, sure. But inside of me, I'm like, I don't really think this is the dream, but I must be wrong because everybody around me thinks this is the dream, the big title, the big office, the big salary. And you get there and it felt like a prison. It just was horrible and I didn't enjoy it. I was making myself sick every day. And I just decided to listen to the voice inside of me that said, get out of here and just start writing and don't worry about it. And I was like, well, I've been listening to all the other voices that have led me here and I'm disgusted with who I am right now and I'm so unhappy. And 
I'm going to do it. I'm going to listen to that other voice that feels right. And, you know, I, I've shut down so many times. So I left and I wrote three books in nine months. Whoa. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, I, I writing is taking on so many different directions for me into uh, writing a blog. And then now I'm writing programs that work on people getting centered into their hearts and really following their dream and their true self and writing some meditation programs for that. And I really just feel like I've been on this journey for a reason and for myself learning to listen to what's on my heart and not be afraid and fight through all those fears and anxieties. I learned that what I did really well at my job and all the jobs I had was identifying the people around me, what they were really good at. So I felt like if I could read my heart, I, I'm, I'm definitely able to read other people's heart and put them in the right places and give them the right tools to be extremely successful. So now on this journey, I realized that, you know, I want to take individuals and be able to write a roadmap of dreams that works specifically for them. Hey, Debbie. So when you're working in corporate America, what was, can you mention anything in, you know, that really kind of pissed you off that made you say, this is not for me. I am, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I think not matching my value of who I was as a person to my performance at my jobs. So making decisions that were our fault as a business and our fault as a corporation and myself as an individual, having to go and discipline people or let them go because they were given the right tools or the right resources to do their job. And now looking back, you know, having that clairvoyance of, I, it did help a lot of people. I did promote over 500 people in less than four years. And I, I'm very proud of that. You know, I feel bad for like the small handful that didn't follow, you know, didn't get in into that to that realm of being able to be fixed. That's what breaks my heart. But, you know, knowing that I was able to turn over 500 people around in less than four years and get them into their next level position makes me feel good. Um, I left because I was an ugly person. I, I didn't recognize myself in the mirror. I didn't like being a person of faith and then coming into an office and, and cursing and making decisions that, um, I was sort of forced into that didn't feel good because I didn't feel it was the right thing for the company. And the, being in a manipulated situations to make decisions for political reasons, I was like, this isn't who I am. This isn't what I'm about. And that was part of the biggest decisions of, of making me feel like a prisoner. And I was like, I'm going to die if I stay here. I will be dead in six months if I stay in the shop. Wow. And I, I, it was a choice of life. It was, I feel like I made a rebirth of myself by just saying, you know what, I'm going to listen to my heart and I'm going to listen to what my value is and who I really am truly here to be. It's not having a fancy title. It's it's not being treated this way and treating people in a horrible way back. Um, so I feel like it, even though it seemed like ridiculous to people around me, it saved my life. And that was more valuable than anything. You know, I wanted to build off of that for just a minute because you talked about not recognizing yourself in the mirror. And I work in, a, I wouldn't say a corporate job, but I work in a very complex and highly political organization. And 
I've been having conversations with colleagues in and around my organization um, and outside of my organization. And one of the things that they come back to, because I mean, it really kind of follows a trend in the United States where not a lot of people have a really well-established savings or like an emergency fund is so many people are afraid to step out and do something different because they don't feel like they have a a safety net if they were to leave a reliable, stable salary and benefits. Right. So from your perspective, your situation might have been different, but how did you navigate that decision to go from safety and security into following your dreams in the unknown? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I think that I made a choice a little bit faster than I would ever suggest other people to make. Um, it wasn't fast either. I mean, it was over like a two month time period of conditioning out of the job and then, you know, putting myself into the right place. I did have a plan. I did have a bit of a cushion to hold on to. Um, I did have clients set up because I was uh, planning to go into do side consulting while I was writing. And the the gigs that I had set up, um, like three of them were dead dead flat the second I left my my job. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't oh, well. believe this is happening. Yeah, and I can't believe this is happening to me. And then there were three opportunities that I actually said no to. Oh, wow. And I think it's significant to see that it was three and three because three is such a significant number in the Bible. And, you know, uh, Jesus died at 33. And this the message was, is I told you to write. I didn't tell you to go consulting. I didn't tell you to do this. I told you to write. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so listening to your voice, I do make sure when I work with clients that they don't go into that radical, like, that's it. I'm going to walk in tomorrow and say I quit and I hate this place. It's like, no, 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 no. That's a dream I, though. That's everyone's like, <laughs> like, that's like every, every, that, I, gosh, you know, I love a good quitting story. I, I do. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And I actually will tell you a fun quitting, not, it's not fun for the person, but it's fun for me from the outside. I, um, we had an employee years and years ago when Facebook like sort of became pretty hot and you know, this, this guy thought he was so, he was untouchable. You know, we, we were ready to find a reason to let go of this guy because he was making mistakes. He had just such arrogance and just wasn't really performing on the job. And he went on Facebook and made a public proclamation like, I hate my job and I'm leaving today. <laughs> and he just thought he was so cool. And uh, And his manager was like, can I do this? Can I literally go in with this and be like, you you quit. So goodbye. Like (laughs) just like that statement. Yeah. And he's like, what? No, 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 I didn't quit. We're like, no, you made a public statement, you know, for the world. So that's basically a press release. So don't take (laughs) your badge. So so if you if you actually say on uh, social media that I'm quitting today, even though you don't mean it just because you're like mad at the job, is that technically is the same as quitting? Um. You know, I have was I haven't really put on my HR hat in like the past three years, so <laughs> I don't know what rules have changed. But technically, it is a statement you, that you made publicly. So, yeah, you it depends on the company's philosophy and what their rules are. But for the most part, yeah, you made a public statement that you're leaving your job, and and that's basically a resignation. Wow! Yeah, look I at mean, that. That's that's very accurate, and I could see how that social media post could be used in that way. So let's, 
focus back on on your journey. So you stepped away um, and you said you had like two months where you were putting things into play to be able to be to branch out on your own. These consulting gigs fell through and now you're faced with with, you know, writing. How did you first of all, find motivation? Because when you have a corporate job, you have, you know, you have to get up, you have to go into work, you have expectations of a timeline. I would, I would just be worried for myself that the minute that I quit my job that I'd be like, oh, well, now I can officially sleep in every day. How did you navigate staying motivated? (laughs) Well, thankfully, I had many years of a job where I was on the road every day. And I, when I wasn't on the road, I was working at home because to go into an office that was like 40, 50 minutes away from me didn't really make sense. And all my meetings were basically virtual anyway. So that learning, learning that discipline was already, I was already in that. So I had that discipline of wake up every day at the same time, make sure you have a really strong routine. I still do it. Like I will not leave my, the back of my house, my bedroom and my bathroom until I'm showered, I'm dressed, I'm fully makeup, teeth brushed. And then it's like, okay, well, I'm not going back into that room until my day is done. Um, it, it is a discipline. It is hard to, to stay in that. And COVID wasn't very helpful, but you know, you, you have to condition yourself into it. So, you know, a lot of people, when they leave their job, that's that's the first thing they do. It's like, okay, I'm going to have a little staycation now and oh, yeah. I'm going to sleep sleep in and I'm going to order in and I'm going to have pizza for lunch. And or travel, travel maybe snack. too. Yeah, you know, and that, you know, you have to give yourself a time period of like, you got one week of this because if you get a little bit further in, then it starts to become a habit. So you don't want to do anything more than seven days because then you're starting to create a habit. And once it gets into 21 days, it is a habit. Hey, Debbie, one thing I did when I lost my job, I remember um, a while ago, right around the time of the recession of 2009, 8-ish, is that one thing I did, because I was so stressed out, one thing I did is I like cleaned my condo like up and down the entire thing. <laughs> like I had to like, <laughs> I think it was for me to keep my mind occupied in my body. Cause I was so used to having this, like you said, getting up early every day, going to work and then all that just over. It's done. It's like shuts off. And so I have to keep busy. And I just kept on cleaning. That's what I did for like a couple of days. Could you do that now? Well, that, you don't no. have to lose your job, but you can do that now. I'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also a level of, you know, cleansing. You know, you're, you left a place and you're trying to declutter yourself from that. So that's a good sign that you're ready to move on because you're ready to rid of the dust and things that don't serve you anymore. And you want a new fresh start. So yeah, it's not that easy to be like, I'm out of this condo and I'm just going to live somewhere else. It's a way of reestablishing a new phase of your life. So I think that's excellent that you you went and started cleaning. And it does keep your mind busy, but it, it is also just ridding of thoughts. It's ridding of negative energy. It's just ridding of what doesn't serve you anymore. And now you could just start fresh. And speaking of starting fresh, so you went into writing books. Now, were these like romance novels? Were they like f- scripts for Hallmark Channel? How did you, you even wish. know what you needed to write? Well... 
That's kind of funny. So a little bit of all of the above. I I didn't know what to write. I just started writing. The first 40,000 words I wrote were so stupid. It was like a third grader trying to write a Hallmark movie. (laughs) (laughs) And my goal was like, I'm going to write the best Lifetime movie ever. There you go. (laughs) And they became pretty cheesy pretty fast. Well, they are, aren't they? I mean, we've seen them, you know. (laughs) She loves them. She watched them all the time. Don't judge my taste. They've got a serious, dedicated audience, you know, and they're always, you know, like a love story, a tragedy, and everybody's just happy at the end and it's wonderful. And, you know, it is a it's a perfect recipe, right? Mm -hmm. So I I decided to go with it. I hired an editor that really put me on a, a track of like, okay, stay focused, build a really strong outline. You don't have to stick to it, but let it guide you. And it did help me get out of some corners where I'm like, all right, I'm drifting on a tangent and and like that's just got to be roped in. So it's at the end, I'm like, I don't know if this makes sense. And then, you know, you give it to what we call beta readers. So three or four readers just to be like, is this stupid? Does it make sense? Did I miss something? And they all came back to me in tears. I love this. You have to you have to you have to put this out there. And I fell really deep into the story, into the characters, and I wasn't done. So that's where the second book was so easy to write because I just wasn't done with the characters and the stories. So that was like really written in like two to three months, if not probably less. And then um, I was done with those characters. I was having trouble and difficulty in relationships in my life. Because I was in a transition, because I realized I always was in the victim mentality of it's always your fault. You know, I'm a princess. I'm perfect. There's nothing wrong with me. It's yours. It's all about you. And I had somebody very dramatically get in my face and be like, I would really look in the mirror because this relationship isn't working out because of how you're looking at it, not because I did something wrong. And I'm like, you know, you've been wrong for 20 years. I mean, of course, you're still wrong. And I really needed to change how I, my view on that relationship and then other relationships with the people around me. So I wrote a book um, from a man's perspective and it really was eye-opening for me of how I looked and saw things and saw something from a vulnerable set of eyes. Um, and it, it, for me, I, I just learned so much from doing that book. And it, it was fast. I, I think I wrote it in less than a month for sure. Oh, wow. Yeah. So with all of this learning that you've gone through, how has it transformed your perspective on the corporate world? You know, I for me personally, the corporate world is kind of like a drug. You know, it's you, you get there, you, you know, you get all excited to be in a new environment or just to be in your office because you love what you're doing and you're making a difference. And, you know, you have the, the morning meeting and then, you know, you have the little cooler chats and the running in between people and you're flipping paper around and you're making great conversations and you're landing, deal. yeah, you're landing deals. And, and then there's the lull, you know, of the, like, things become status quo. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not always bright and sunny. The conversations aren't always as pretty. You didn't land the deal. You're not making sales. People are upset. People are angry. You know, the economy's up, the economy's down. Like how to navigate those highs and lows 
were weird, difficult. And when I started out in my first job as an account executive, I was in a printing business and we worked directly with the Securities and Exchange Commission. So that was a real drug of having a deadline twice a day that was like, could be life or death for companies because it was gazillions of dollars. And for us back then, it was probably just like a million. But, you know, it grew into billions and it was more money you could ever think of. And if you didn't press that button in, in like a minute time frame, that money's gone and it's your fault. Oh, wow. So pressure's that, on. Yeah. Pressure's on. And, you know, we were still back then. It was a really long time ago. And it was transitioning from being digital to being from just really literally pushing paper and literally printing out binding books together that needed to be filed with the SEC, handing it to a guy that ran to JFK, that got on a plane to stand online in front of the Securities and Exchange Commission waiting for that exact same time frame to get a stamp. Wow. Yeah. Now, that guy's job, does he still have that job, by the way? <laughs> I'm sure those guys have retired by now. But it, it it just, you know, molded into a different job. You know, they still work there when that 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 piece of the business was over because then, it, you know, it, it changed of what their requirements were. So, you know, they probably did more local running around and, and printing and having it to get into certain hands at a certain time frame. But the corporate America to me, they're, you know, it's sometimes when people are like, hey, there's this position open, a CEO of a startup company you know, we would really be interested in you. And you're like, oh, God, that glamour, that excitement, that fun. And that then you go, catching you. Yeah, that yeah. drug. <laughs> it's the drug. And then, you you know, I, I had worked out of a shared workspace for a little while. And you go and sit in the office. You're like, oh, my God, I miss this. This is so great. I love it. There's unlimited Diet Coke. Like, there could be <laughs> nothing better in the world right now, right? And then you you realize, you know, all the personalities and like those bad habits you could fall back into. And I'm like, I can't do this. No, nope. mm-hmm. no. So, CEO so Debbie, what yeah. advice do you give to those who are in that corporate world and they are just kind of hit to that lull, like you said, like what advice do you give them to keep on, keep on, keep it on, you know? Yeah, great question. I uh, Somebody asked me that yesterday as well of, you know, they were in a burnout, uh, a sales burnout. And that pressure was just paralyzing them. And I'm like, well, you're trying to stay in a job. You're trying to find a way to stay in a job that doesn't serve you anymore. Mm. If it's making you sick and you can't handle it and it's self-destructing you, that's a lot of flags there of maybe I've outlived this job. Maybe this job was never right for me. Or maybe right now, it just no longer serves me. So that's a big question you have to come to terms with yourself. And the first thing everybody's going to say, not everybody, but the majority of people go to, well, I can't leave because... Money. (laughs) Money. Paycheck. (laughs) I have to feed my kids. I have a mortgage. I My son's going to college. You know, every reason that there's money. But once you say, okay... Let's take money off the table. You have every, you have a hundred reasons why you wouldn't be out the door in a minute. So when you take that one thing that's blocking you and it's a huge fear of money and money is really just an exchange of energy, right? 
So you now let money control you. You've now said that money is controlling me and it's my fear and it's my block and it is giving me anxiety. It's giving me problems at my job. It's giving me problems in my relationships at home. It's making me eat too much, drink too much. I don't feel good about myself. It's this one piece of energy that you're letting control you. So say, okay, I'm going to brush that that uh, money. I'm going to put it aside. I'm going to look at every sing- everything else. Does it, does I, do I still want to stay here? Is this still the right job for me? Will this improve me? All this. And once you make those choices and decisions and make them the reasons, you can come back to the money and work out a strong plan. And that's what I do with people is to make sure you work out a strong plan that you can leave, that you can pursue your dream, that you can be at that place where it's safe and comfortable for you to make that transition. And some people are a little bit more daring than others, but the majority of us are terrified of looking at zeros in our bank account. And I have to say, you know, there's there's so many advantages in either direction. And, you know, I, I've I've approached and gone through all of it. So no matter what level you are, if you're like, I'm dead broke, this is ridiculous. I, there's no way in the world I could leave. There is a way to leave. There is a way to make money. There is a way to save money. There is a way to get there. And, you know, it's not for the rich. And I trust me, I was not rich when I left my job. I had a nice job, but I was nowhere in a place to say I could walk away from all these zeros at the end of my paycheck. Um, there is a way to do it. And I know so many plans. I've walked through so many plans. I've walked people through plans. I have very good people that are wonderful resources that I can give to you to get there. And you need to focus on all the things that are so important and take that off the, the table to to focus on them and then bring it back to get to to work through that. That's fantastic, Debbie. So um I mean, because myself personally, I feel like, you know, I'm kind of like I'm kind of I've been on my job for you know my my career for 20 years or going on or whatever it is. And it feels I mean, now the, the with the the whole industry that I'm in is kind of shifting a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, we've got bought out by a different company and some of the new rules the company has in place. Uh, I'm not a fan of and I think a lot of people are not a fan of. So the comp- the the employee morale has really gone down the toilet for the most part, from, in my opinion, personal opinion. And how would a company kind of revive that to get their employees to be excited to want to come into work, other than trying to say, "Oh, here's another raise. Here, we'll just throw another raise at you or another something at you." Without throwing money at the problem, how would a company help their employees want to be there? Yeah, and that so important is making an investment in your employees, and that was what I. I did um, when I worked in in healthcare. Everybody was like, "Okay, well this this site isn't performing. Let's buy them lunch. Let's get them a raise." And I'm like, "They don't need a parade, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, but you're not going to get more productivity out of somebody by giving them per parade. Guess what? They get paid at the end of every week, and that's what they signed up for. They didn't sign up for a parade. They didn't sign up for a ham sandwich. They signed up to do a job and get paid. Now." We want them to feel loved. We want them to know that they are valuable. 
but we have to change the rules. So what I did at that company was I changed the culture. And what was really sad was the company had so much to offer. They had so much to give their employees and the employees didn't know anything about it. So they hated their job. We gave them too much pressure and they could be fired instantly just for making a very tiny mistake because you're dealing with patients. And, you know, if you have their names felt wrong or their blood type wrong on paperwork. Of course, yeah, definitely. That is, that could ruin someone's life. And it's a very high pressure, high tense situation. And so I changed the culture. There was a mission statement on every patient service center of what the mission was. And it started with world-class service. And I'm like, have you ever been to a a restaurant in um, Shanghai, uh, China? Do you know what service looks like there? (laughs) They're like, no. And I'm like, well, you know, that's world-class. So... I mean, what does that mean? Is it what really is, though? I mean, world class. Oh, I mean, <laughs> what is what does world class mean? Because the world is a big place, and do you know what class looks like in every country? You know, you have to you know be careful with your verbiage. And I'm like, okay, there's a list of ten things that you can hardly read from the from the uh, the picture that's on the wall. And I'm like, okay, well, somebody tell me what number five says. Somebody tell me what number two says. Somebody just tell me one thing that says that uh, that's on there. Not one person can answer that. And I'm like, so you're living by a mission statement that doesn't, you don't know what it is. You don't even know what world-class means. It doesn't mean anything. To me, it sounds really horrible and crappy. And what does it mean for you to come to work every day? And I sat with employees. I had 500 employees. I traveled through my entire Northeast region and I went to all of them and I said, tell me what it means to come to work every day and what drives you to come to work every day. And I changed that entire culture because I made it value to every single person that worked there. And we made a big general one that had the most popular statements on there. And then I, I had at each patient service center them sign it and, and add to it every day. Like, I love coming to work for the best patients. I love that they're smile. I can let people leave with a smile on their face. And and then I took it further of like, do you know what we have to offer you? Do you know that we can give you educational assistance? Do you know that you can get a lawyer through one of these programs and just ask questions? A lot of these people are living paycheck to paycheck. And a lot of these people have a, from broken families and have a lot of questions that they're afraid to ask. And they don't they think a lawyer is going to cost like a couple hundred dollars for 10 minutes. Right. Yeah. And, if, you know, there's these things that there were that were weighing on them. And when you were able to just say, we, you, you didn't know that you can have this, you can offer this. And that's a big, big problem that employers have, especially when they're running with a lot of um, individual th- people. And part of the program that I run is ideal for employers to give value, to work on individuals, to follow their dreams and address all these things. Like, let me help you get your finances in order. Let me help you get your health in order. Let me help you get to a better level of your job. Let's work on your intellect. You need to go back to school for something you want to do. The company offers you um, assistance to go back to school and just work with the company and work with the, on the individuals and really get them to their next level that's get, accomplishing goals along the way and and building them into their dreams and letting them be empowered. And if you're working at a company that's like, 
I, my company did this for me. I'm always going to, you know, give back and I'm always going to promote them. And, I'm, you know, when clients start to see the employees being happy and what they're, they're benefiting from, the productivity happens and then you get client, re- I mean, yeah, client retention. And it's just a beautiful cycle of positivity by just making a simple investment in your employees. It's but, a huge yeah, difference. It, it, I know. What, what about the companies that have a lot of, let's just say, competition with other companies trying to compete for their employees? So they'll offer, they'll try to persuade um, employees to jump ship from one company to the other because maybe it's a little bigger salary. Not a lot, just a little bigger salary. Or one might say, well, we got maybe better benefits or we got better. But all in all, it's it's, ident- it's identically the same job no matter where you go. It's pretty much the same mm-hmm. thing. So what, what do you, what do you do? You know? Yeah, that's a, that's a hard choice. And, you know, when you're in a specific industry, you know, it is pretty common to jump ship and, and kind of do the tour. Um, and what I've learned, cause I've watched, I, I came to that crossroads a few times in a few places and, you know, you have to really, you can't be glamorized by three extra dollars in your paycheck because, you know, three extra dollars. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It literally <laughs> is know, it's that. Yeah. It turns out, right? You're like, oh my God, an extra $5,000. And then you break it out and it's really not a lot. And then it takes you into a next tax bracket and you end up paying more money in taxes than what it actually gave you. Right. So those are things you really need to, you know, take a, take a step back and look at the offer and look at what you currently have. And, you know, it depends on where you are, but there is a level of leverage of like, hey, I don't want to jump ship here, but your competitor is offering me $10,000 more a year. That's really going to help me out. I want to stay though. I don't want to go to someplace new. You know, you could could do that. I would look at all of the huge package. People are so glamorized by benefits and, you know, um, 401k. That's that's great. Well, what it, what does your 401k look like? What's the company contribution? What are the actual benefits? And look at what benefits look like on your own because there's a lot that can that you can do with benefits that are outside of your company that are probably more beneficial to you, but you get so sucked in. People say benefits and of people course, are like, oh, yeah. I can't live without benefits. And it's like you there's a million options out there that could have better benefits than what your business is. If you're a small company, you can't offer the same as a bigger company, but some of the bigger companies are really jipping you um, because they're getting played by, you know, the the insurance that they have. So there's a lot to look at in that. And, you know, being first of knowing enough from the companies that I worked at, you know, I help people really, really look into that and do a full analysis of what is it that you really need? You know, you're at different age groups and, you know, you have a family, you don't have a family, you're older, you're younger. Everybody's need for benefits is different. So if you're 25 and you're paying for benefits, like as if you're a 65 year old man, I mean, that doesn't really serve you. Of course, or a family or whatever. I know some people say I pay X amount of dollars for all my kids or whatever. But if you're just a single person, say 25, like you said, like they just need medical for themselves and maybe a 401k. What else they really need, you know? Yeah. And when you get to that, you're at that negotiation phase between competitors, where you are and where you're looking to go, they're going to play a lot of manipulation games on you. And I would really, once again, I strongly believe in doing all your homework on all those logistical avenues of what's important for you at the end of the day. 
but I definitely um, encourage a meditation on both. And what I what I do, I tell my clients to do is to print out all the pros and cons, and you know, leave your pro list on top of the con list for both companies, and sit and meditate in front of it, and just close your eyes and do a visualization of. Where do you see yourself? Like when you close your eyes, do you see yourself at this company or at this company? Do you see yourself happy? Where do you see yourself when you come home from work at the end of that day? How do you see yourself interacting with clients, with the people you work with? And you may not, you know, there's a lot of unknown with the new space. But if you're migrating to a place in a new space and not migrating to a place in the old space, there's something to be told there of the, who you're, who you are is gravitating towards the new space. So I would look at that new space and I'm not saying that that's the answer. I'm saying, Hey, if you're still not sure that this new space is the right space for you, maybe there's something else. So well, maybe Debbie, you need to continue to look. What about, yeah. what about, um, actually, is it okay to ask the employees of that new potential company? Like, what are your uh, honest opinion of the place? Is it okay to do yeah. that? Yeah. And you know, that's what like great things of, about LinkedIn is, is you could look up a company and you could find somebody in your, if you're, if it's a competitor, you probably already know people, right? But uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with wanting to know, is this the right fit for me? Right. You, yeah. You know. Well, also too, is like, if you catch it, uh, I know that like, like if you ask somebody from another a competing company and they're having a bad day, what are they going to say? Of course, they're going to hate the place they're at. This place sucks. I hate it here, you know? And then you'd be like, oh, I don't want to go there. You know, it could be that too. So, and also on LinkedIn, if they say they hate the place, could they get fired for that? I mean, is that like something you could get in trouble for? I don't, I don't, I, you know, I wouldn't approach it as like a public, hey guys, <laughs> I'm going to leave my job. I mean, I would. Hopefully, if you're going to a competitor again, it would there would be people at the new place that you know, and of course you're going to ask for a level of confidentiality. Of hey, can I just talk to you for a few minutes? Um, you know, I I'm interested in leaving. Is the grass greener on the other side? You know, you don't have to give all your details or cards. You know, let them say like I love, or you can even approach it a different way. Like hey, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while, and you know, I see you're working at XX, and I work at YY still. How is it over there? Tell me, do you love it? You you don't have to put all your cards on the table of right. Just, just a, a common curiosity, kind of like hey, chit chat, like hey, how you doing, kind of thing. Yeah, and you also want to be careful too. If you are leaving, you don't want people there to know because maybe they're competing for the same job you are, and you don't know what that right. looks like. Right. So there is a level of be careful how you approach it, but there is ways to approach it. Um to get the answers you need and do your homework, like look on the Better Business Bureau, look on job boards there. I mean, I worked for a company that there was a website called I hate this company.com. <laughs> nice. And it literally was an open forum of people just bashing the crap out of it. And I was like, wow, this is pretty astonishing. But, you know, as a when I worked there and I was running a whole division, it was good homework of like, okay, you could see the people that were commenting because they, they weren't realizing that we were up to knowing what was going on here and their real names. And you're like, okay, well, these people are, are leaving or they're going to do something damaging to the company. So I have to address that. Um, so I would look out for those things because if those things exist, I would suggest to not go there. And 
you know, look at LinkedIn again, look at the company, look at comments, look at things they're posting. There's a lot of positive comments, you know, especially from employers. I mean, that's a draw, like that's a positive. Um, And, you know, you know, really make that strong list. I do strongly suggest uh, the meditation, the looking through all the pros and cons and doing your really strong due diligence and, and see what your company will do in return. You so, know? Debbie, uh, what would you say to somebody that would not just jump ship to another company, but just say jump ship altogether into a totally different the direction? Like this person was, say, a, like, doc- a like doctor. Pursuing the whole t- their passion. Let's Chris? say this person was a doctor their entire life, but then they want to be an astronaut. I mean, they want to go totally different, different direction. So how would you like how would they even start with that? They've been doing one career for 20 plus years and then all of a sudden they want to just just give it all up and jump into something completely new, what would be the best advice you'd give them? I, I'd i give them a hug and be like, you're amazing. <laughs> I think I, that's, I love it. And I honestly think, you know, the culture of your job needs to change. You know, I think you're, you could be really good at something. And then there's a time, there comes a place where it's like you become complacent if, or you can still keep learning, but there comes a time where it's like, maybe it's time for someone new to do this job. Maybe it's time for me to do something else because you were built to do more than just one productivity avenue. And so I love the guy that's like, I'm a doctor. I've done it. I've I've accomplished and crushed all my goals here. I'm going to be an astronaut. Like, you're amazing. That is amazing. (laughs) So let's condition you to, you know, decompose from being a doctor and get yourself on, on a strong path to being the astronaut. And being the best that you can, because if you have that drive to do it, it's in you and that's your dream and, and get there and, and have more than one dream. Keep building and growing yourself. And I think that that's fascinating and fabulous. And I just love people that that are so open to their dreams and not afraid to pursue it. And Debbie, what about that person who has had their dreams completely crushed? I mean, I know that's something that you've talked about is coming out of that, but for that individual that feels stuck, that feels like they really don't have it in them to pursue anything else and they just feel like a shell of themselves, how would you start working with them? Well, so that's sort of like to me, I instantly just see that terrified, adorable puppy in a shelter, like shaking and like dirty and just terrified and scared. And and it's a conditioning factor, right? So you have to condition somebody to be nurture nurtured and loved and decompose them from that fear and that anxiety and learn what the traps are again the probably number one factor is going to be i'm afraid of money i'm afraid of not having money i'm afraid of not paying my bills i'm afraid of you know my family not li- making the rent this month um those are usually the hugest hugest fears so it's a conditioning factor and Yes. Trust me, there is going to be a huge team of dream crushers. Of, no, you can't. You can't stop being a doctor and be an astronaut. That's stupid. No. And so the, know that there's dream crushers. Be prepared for that. Put yourself in the right mindset of I can. Because if you just go home and are like, yeah, yeah, I'm like this great doctor and all, but I'm going to be an astronaut. Everyone's going to be like, no, you're not. <laughs> 
Go back and stick needles in people. <laughs> That's right. Get back to the office. <laughs> get back in there and stop it. You know. But if you come home and you're like, you know, you have a plan and you feel good about it and you can exude it and you're excited about it, you rally up your team, you come home, you're like, family, having a meeting on the couch right now. I am so excited. I want to tell you what's going on. I've been a doctor for 20 years and I've done really good work and I'm really proud of myself and I'm going to hang up my hat right now and I am going to become an astronaut. Me and Richard Branson and Elon Musk, we're going to the moon and we're going to do it together and it's going to be fabulous. And I have a plan and everyone's going to look at you with shock. But if you have a plan and you have excitement, you know, you're going to have the people that are like, this is awesome. I love it. Great. Right. right. And then you're going to have the people who be like, no. Right. <laughs> that is dumb. Who in the world makes you think that you could become an astronaut tomorrow? No, uh, you can't go to the moon. You can't, you can't, you can't. So you have to understand that the people you're ready, you're game day ready, right? You're all on board and everybody else is instantly just going to picture what it means to them for you to become that astronaut. What does that mean to me? Now you're changing my world and I'm not ready for that. I don't know that I can feel or see you do that. It's going to take them a little bit of time. So there's never the right time to come home and have that conversation, but it will be wrong if you're not prepared for that conversation. If you don't have a strong path, if you don't feel confident about it, and you're asking for confirmation from somebody that's definitely not going to have confirmation for you, you have to condition this the situation and you have to convince yourself first that this is right and feel good about it before you go home and create your team. And not everybody's going to be on board on day one, but that's okay. You know, you find the people that are going to be with you on day one. And those are the people that you lean on. And, and eventually everybody will. Once they see you accomplishing the small goals to get to that big dream, they're watching you in excitement and there will be bad days. There definitely will be bad days and roadblocks and mistakes. But that's okay. As long as you're like, it's just a temporary setback. It's redirecting me to something better and it's going to be fabulous. And you keep going. When people see how hard you're working and you're giving it your all, they're slowly going to get on board. And then they're slowly going to think, well, I have a dream too. Well, I want to pursue this. Well, I want to do this. If you know, you contagious, it's contagious. It's beautifully contagious. And if you know, you, you give back the support that those people gave you. Watch how beautiful everybody's dreams grow together. That's awesome. It's yeah, it's amazing. And you just get so excited that you're like, I'm going to be an astronaut too. Let's all go. (laughs) You know, it's funny that you bring this up because in our personal life, so I finished, I graduated with my doctorate in 2021. And Chris asked me over here. Thank you. uh, Chris asked me what it was that I wanted to do with my degree. And you know, occupationally in my full-time day job, I could have gone one more step to a higher position, less pay or the same pay for a lot more hours, highly political. And I felt like I didn't want to do that. And so I have this passion that I've had for many years uh, for the wedding industry. And so I told Chris that I think I wanted to kind of dabble back in wedding planning and floral design and it's taken off like wildfire. So I do both right now. I do my main job and I do this. But it's interesting at first because Chris is 
I would say he was a little hesitant to think that this could actually make a decent amount of money until he started seeing what it was bringing in. And now he's like, well, I want to chase my dreams, too. And but it's like it's it's hard for me because I am doing it with a plan and like still alongside my full time job. And he's trying to figure out an exit strategy from his full time job to pursue his passions. And so I think that I find myself on one side being super supportive of, yes, chase your dreams, but then the very grounded realist of, and we have very real bills to pay. So if you're going to chase mm-hmm. your dreams, make sure that they have a paycheck. And <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think I think that's hard for me because as a spouse, I could see how when couples are going through this, it could feel like your partner might be going through a midlife crisis and you discount it and you might just be like, oh, well, they're going to get over it. But in reality, I know that my husband really hasn't had the opportunity to chase his dreams when he was younger and do everything he wanted to. And so now it's like pulling at him as he sees me really fulfilled in this creative occupation. And I I don't know how to navigate that, supporting his dream and also staying very grounded in the fact that he can't quit his job because we need to make sure to put food on the table, kind of what you were saying earlier. So what would you say to those spouses who might have um, their partner going through this I think, dream crisis or or career crisis that want to change lanes, but they, the other spouse is bounded by the fear of what could be lost if they do that. Yeah. Well, I think that this is a great conversation and this is a lot of couples get to this place and there's resentment and there's ugliness. And then there's, again, that money is in the way. And it could ruin them. And so it's wonderful that you're both open and having the conversation. That's the first step of, I think that's wonderful that you are open in conversation and open to support each other, but you're honest about what the fears are in the middle. And what I would do is, obviously, I, for me, be having this conversation, you know, I'm the party that I don't, I know a little piece of the story. I know a few minutes of each of you. And I'm, would be able to sit with both of you and let's lay it all on the table. Let's lay out a map, right? So let's lay out a, Christine, where are you? Where is there a transition place? What's going to stick? Is it going to be staying and doing both? Is it going to be the event planner going to win? Or is it, this was a lot of fun and I'm going to go back to what I was doing. So you had started the train, you know, so you're right now um, a little bit ahead than than Chris is. So it's uh, what I'm loudly hearing is the finances is the big fear in the middle. And that's the prevention of Chris from going into his his maybe new dream, new phase of what he wants to do. So I think it's now rebuilding the the roadmap as a team and or the roadmap of what finances look like and how to navigate goal. So now there's a, well, there's always the common goal of, you know, feeding the kids and the, the mortgage and all of that. Right. Now, yeah, but now it's, okay, we have we have directions from this main hub, right? So we have all these, these directions that are, are two trains that are going to split and go, and we need each other to support each other. So it's walking through what the finances look like and making sure that there's a solid plan there of being in a good financial state of, okay, at this point, 
Chris can make the jump. And at this point, Christine will be at where she needs to be at her phase, whatever direction that is. And, and it, it really has to be mapped out. It has to be a strong commitment from both of you. Um, cause there's going to be a lot of hardships of like, yeah, we're going to, uh, and I'm just being, just being obnoxious in this, like we're going to eat ramen and, and live without electricity for a month, you know, and it's going to be great. No, you don't have to, you know, no, 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 no. It's not, it doesn't have to be that harsh at all. It's um, going to be, um, you know, sticking with that of, you know, maybe you guys love to eat out twice a week and it's like, okay, well, Maybe we go out once a week to a lesser kind of a restaurant. And, you know, when you're in that day, in that moment, you had a bad, you had a bad day at work. You're like, oh, but I love the lasagna at Antonio's. It's the greatest that I need it tonight. And it's like, no, we've, we have made a commitment to go to Olive Garden. And, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. I'm just joking right. to, to get a point across. But, you know, those moments, it's like, no, we got to stick to the plan. And yeah, you're going to have a few times where you're not and, you know, there'll be minor setbacks, but you have to be okay with that. And you you both have to be on a solid planet and team and, you know, ask for help from an objective source that, you know, will build a solid plan for you to keep you accountable, to make sure that it's realistic and that you're both on board. And it can happen. It really can happen. I, I, I really am strongly believe in, in it working and Finances will, again, get in everybody's way, but there's so many things you could do to get out of debt, to build equity, to learn what your assets are and to be able to use them to get to that next hub in your in your dreams. Um, there's so much to do that you, you don't you don't you can't just live in the I can't because we live in America and there's so much I can. There's so much I can that can happen. And we were just conditioned to live in the I can't. And it's time to change that. And that's just what I want to do is to pollinate everybody to let them know that you can and your dreams are on your heart for a reason, for sure. Well, Debbie, this has been fantastic and such an enlightening and heartwarming conversation for both of us meeting us where we're at. Where can our listeners find out more about you, your coaching services and purchase your books? Oh, thank you so much. And yes, this has been wonderful. I thank you for your time and great conversation. You can find me on my website and social media. It's all the same handle, Debbie Cruz. So D-E-B-B-Y-K-R-U-S-Z. And that's .com for my website. And it's at Debbie Cruz. Again, D-E-B-B-Y-K-R-U-S-Z. I would love to offer to all your listeners a free 15-minute consultation um, on getting to your dreams and any of these roadblocks that are in your way and help navigate you through that, as well as a free download of my last novel that's out called Soul Meets Body. Nice. Where can we find those at? Are they on your website? I will send you all the links that you can okay, post perfect. with the show. Yeah, yes, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, and definitely. De- yeah, and I, know, I know that Chris is definitely going to use that link to get his 15-minute consultation <laughs> because awesome. he's been here. He's been giving me like head nods and thumbs up and like pointing at me like, <laughs> yes, this is good stuff. And so we know that especially amidst the pandemic recovery and the great resignation that there are millions of people around the world that are trying to make sense of work-life balance and also how to give themselves the opportunity to live the life they've always dreamt of and not feel so constrained by 
maybe how they've pigeonholed themselves prior to this. And so we think that you have some really valuable resources, Debbie. We really thank you for your time and for being on our show. Any last words of wisdom and enlightenment for our guests? Yeah. Yes. The dreams are on your heart for a reason. Don't deny them. Don't push them away. Don't tell them no. Flourish them. Let them bloom and be the best version of yourself because you're here to be loved and to shine. And I can't wait to help you get there. Thank you guys so much. This was so wonderful. Thanks, Thanks, Debbie. Debbie. Yes. Thank you. Have a great day. If you love music and podcasting, now you can have both. Introducing the brand new K2 radio station, available 24-7 on the Live 365 app for free. Specializing in rock and alternative music, we're talking bands like Coldplay, Nirvana, Muse, Imagine Dragons, and yes, even the Rolling Stones. They have all stopped by to drop off songs, and we even have brand new popular tracks added every single day. Also on the free K2 radio station, we are including podcasting. Get the best of both worlds. Download the free Live 365 app or listen online at live365.com and type in K2 radio. You know, Debbie was great swinging by the studio today. Absolutely. I loved hearing about her perspective around, you know, what it takes to step outside of the predictable corporate environment and, you know, chase your dreams. Yeah, you know, I'm always chasing my dreams, baby. My dream is to uh, be, be wealthy and work from home and <laughs> be married to you. And I know, um, exactly. Your dream own, is own to be a bunch of sports cars, but I'm going backwards in that department. Um, what, what? You just want to be a, you like, you latch on to me. You're like, I just want to not work and I want to be a house husband. No, I want to work. You know, I could, I, that would be drive me nuts if I was just staying home doing nothing. I no. could not do that. When have you ever seen me sit and do nothing? Like um, do nothing, nothing. Well, it depends on your definition of nothing. I mean, my definition of nothing is like working on other things. My definition of nothing is like you're doing nothing that's actually like contributing towards the financial health of the household or like the long term viability of the household. And so my definition of nothing is sitting and watching TV for 15 hours straight. Okay. Well, neither of us do that, but you do sit around and you play podcast all the time. That is work. If when you're, when you're, if you are sitting somewhere and physically doing nothing, that is nothing. When you're doing something, it's something. Oh, philosophy. (laughs) Wow. Words of wisdom from Chris. That was Socrates. I believe said that. (laughs) Suck your teeth. What? (laughs) Socrates, you know, oh the, great, the, great, the great wisdom for the great um, philosopher. What are you doing? <laughs> if you could only see what Chris is, he has one arm out to the side. It's like he's motioning like, hear ye, hear ye, come to the wisdom of Chris. No, uh, I think that both of us have dreams that we're chasing in different ways. And, you know, just as long as your dream isn't to just, you know, stop working and let your wife do all the work, no, it'll be good. I'm going to work, but it's going to be a different direction. Oh, is it going to actually earn money? It's like you're playing defense and you go play offense. It's like it's, you're both, you're both trying to win the game. Oh my gosh. You guys, if you could, this is how he talks to me all the time. I'm like, so Chris, what is your vision for changing careers? If that's your goal? So, you know, I'm thinking that I'm just going to think more about it and I'm going to set some goals and I'm going to, you know, start moving in that direction and start researching. I'm like, so basically nothing. Well, let me tell you, though, tell you a little fat fun fact about all that you just said is that with the help. Yeah, make it up. Here you go. <laughs> with the help of the new Rodecaster Pro 2, I was, should be able to enhance my audio production skills. So maybe it'll take, me, it'll take me in a path in a trajectory towards 
um, becoming a awesome podcast personality. Wow. <laughs> that is your future career aspiration, future podcast personality. Basically, it's like when a kid, when you ask them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And they're like, I want to play for the NBA. And they've never like stepped foot onto a basketball court. Okay. Basically. <laughs> kind of. But, but, but here, <laughs> Very but, accurate. But at least, at least I have the basketball the NBA used to play with. I have the same basketball. <laughs> And the same shoes. <laughs> so technically, I'm halfway there. That's like saying that because I can speak, I'm like the same as Sandra Bullock. <laughs> almost, almost the same. 100%. Here, I am such a supportive wife. It's like you have a fire extinguisher extinguishing your dreams right now. I am not a very nice person today. Maybe... Maybe it's because it's Labor Day and I've been laboring all day since 4.45 this morning I woke up and I couldn't sleep. And so maybe I just need a break. Hey, Labor Day is not about being in labor. It's about not doing any labor I know, but what I'm saying is I've been laboring. I've been working since the early hours of the morning. Well, that's your problem. You're doing it all wrong. I know. Maybe they should call it like no Labor Day. Like Labor Day is to recognize people that work too hard during the week so they need to not labor on a given day. But did you know that there are some people out there that actually have to work today i know because i went to the store and i met them (laughs) so everybody still has to work today except for like i don't know the certain christine over here i do what i've been working all day you dune dune buggy (laughs) 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 all right friends you've heard enough of us we are definitely in rare form today maybe we should have mentioned at the beginning of this that we've been kid free all weekend and so like i know we're just like ding 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 like we go to bed when we want to wake up when we want to we don't really like we're not keeping on track of our hours and what we should be doing we're kind of like two college kids right now exactly and i got the roadcaster pro i've been playing with all day trying to figure that thing out yeah oh thank you for saying you've been playing with it all day that is accurate i've been, I've been playing with it it's got a lot mm-hmm. of cool neat features we're not gonna get into all of it today but uh, in the future we will and uh i said i'm still fine-tuning the device. This is our first run of the Roadcaster, so... Yeah, uh, so we'd love to hear your thoughts on our sound quality. Give Chris those shout-outs if you thought that it was fantastic. Thanks, babe. he reads all of your comments, and you know what? If you could type them like 10 times over and over again, that would make his life so much better. Yeah, say Chris is fantastic and just repeat it like a serial killer does across the screen. (laughs) Like, everywhere. (laughs) Or, or maybe you can do it. We just need to stop. Or we maybe, to... or maybe even better, you can say Christine is awesome, but like you got to write it out in like a serial killer like different fonts on a on like posted <laughs> posted board. Speaking of serial killers, okay, there's this feature on the Roadcaster Pro where you can actually change your voice when you're talking, and nothing like. I don't ever want us to use it because... Are you sure you want to try it now? No, no, no. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'll get really upset right now. Don't do it because okay. it reminds me of the movie Ransom with Mel Gibson where oh, he was okay. getting these phone calls and they were like distorting the the voices and it makes me think like creepy. Like why would you even get something that does that to mask your voice? It just sounds odd. Well, there's It's like a robot. There's a robot voice in here. There's two robot voices and one deep voice and one like disguise like uh, it's the C- what is it called the FBI hide the face you know video fo- you know what was that thing where they uh, black out the face and it's like for the interview masking yeah it's a disguise censoring or-, or whatever all right you know what I'm gonna give it a shot I'm gonna have you turn around sorry if he bumps the microphone Chris you can try like robot voice and I'm going to be talking and we're gonna see if it changes at all as I go through this Oh my gosh, 
gosh, that was so creepy. I don't like that at all. Don't do it. Don't ever do it again. Okay. Well, that was a taste of what the roadcaster can do. We got robot Christine over here. C3P uh, Christine. <laughs> C3P Christine. All right, everybody. Thank you so much. Episode 143 is one that we're not going to forget. But in case people want to forget this one and want to go back to one of our previous episodes, where can they find those? Well, you can go to the master hub of it all, which is chrisandchristineshow.com. And you got every single thing you want to know all right on over there. Absolutely. And we'll be back with you next, next week. week.